Hello from Ellensburg, Washington, USA. This is the Nick Zentner Geology Podcast, Episode 71, Meeting the Dream Team. Thanks for listening. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to stay with that uh, moniker that's uh, a little bit out there, a little bit much, uh, the Dream Team. Um, But for now, I guess we'll use it. Uh, It was brought up the other night uh, at the campground, so I'll, I'll fill you in. Uh, It's the last day of July, uh, over 100 degrees Fahrenheit again this afternoon. We've had good luck here in in the Ellensburg area, the Kittitas Valley, and much of south-central Washington as far as air quality. But many of you probably are aware that there are plenty of wildfires here in the Pacific Northwest, and that includes northern Washington, and that includes the North Cascades, so much so that Washington State Route 20 has been closed for a couple of weeks. Okay, well, what's the problem there? Well, this dream team, this group of three field geologists who have this multi-year National Science Foundation grant, had planned on devoting most of their time in the next five years to bedrock units and major faults that are exposed along the Washington State Route 20 corridor. This is the the route over the North Cascades. This is the east-west highway that crosses Rainy Pass, Washington Pass, etc. On the east side is little towns called Metow, uh, Carlton, Twisp, Winthrop. If you're in the Pacific Northwest, you maybe know those little communities in that area. I barely know that area, so I was especially excited to get up there and Uh, learn some geography as well as some basic geology as I continue to uh, bone up on what's going on up there. But um, the the group of geologists, the dream team as I'm calling them, oh why not, let's do that right now. So Michael Eddy, Purdue University, Stacia Gordon, University of Nevada, Reno, Bob Miller, San San Jose State University, uh, that's the dream team. So <laughs> I was just going to let that fade away. Uh, I used that moniker uh, last fall. If you're a regular viewer of the YouTube channel, I did a full, well, even on this podcast, I was recapping those, I guess, right? So most of you are then aware of my Exotic Terrain A to Z series, 26 shows, trying to teach myself um, the most up-to-date work that's been done on <clears throat> excuse me the exotic terrains of the North Cascades and beyond. And at the beginning of that series, which I started in September of uh, 2020, and it ran through Christmas, two shows a, uh, a week, um, at the beginning of that series, I kind of gave the backstory for why I was doing the exotic terrain live streams. And it was to prepare for this past week, in part. I also just bothered me that I had been so out of touch with uh, exotic terrain research. So just personally, it just helped me feel better that I was uh, learning some basics. And in some cases, more than basics, we got kind of deep in some of those sessions. But anyway, along the way, I was trying to describe Stacia and Bob and Mike and I didn't have a way to describe them, and it was too worried to say the NSF group that is devoted to North Cascades research in the next five years. So I just called them the Dream Team. Well, if you're a sports fan, you know about the Dream Team. That's a 
a label for the 1992 Olympic men's basketball team from the United States. Uh, that's the Olympics that was held in Barcelona. And <clears throat> as memory serves, that's the first Olympics where uh, NBA stars joined the Olympic efforts. And they dominated. And in the history of basketball, this is not a sports podcast, but in the history of basketball, that uh, dream team uh, year when on a global stage, the uh, Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, John Stockton, Charles Barkley, etc., Patrick Ewing, uh, you know, those guys are all my age, basically. And, and uh, on a global stage, many around the world were uh, consuming what these guys could do for the first time. And 30 years later, we have a lot of international players in the NBA, uh, and many point to that Dream Team season as a, a way to boost uh what am i doing <laughs> this is a geology podcast anyway so i called them the dream team these three geologists and i was uh, very excited and still am very excited to be associated with those guys they're all uh, uh extremely uh well respected uh, and accomplished at different stages in their career so i met them uh i spent uh two nights this week uh, camping with them and uh, I want to tell you about that and give you a sense of, of what I was able to learn in the last uh, few days. Uh, I'll finish that thought then. So Stacia, part of the dream team, you know, we're sitting around drinking a little wine, a little bit of beer and, you know, having a good time. And and at one point she says, did you call us? I think you called us the dream team last fall. <laughs> Were you serious about that? She said, I was chopping vegetables or something during that live stream last October and I was kind of half listening to what you were doing and then you called us the dream themes and she said I just laughed out loud in my kitchen listening to you call us that so I don't know I got to come up with another I think but for now they're the dream team okay so what do I want to do with this show there's there's way more that I can talk about than just uh, one 30-minute episode I think I just want to report on what um, and what I learned about those three guys, and you know what I mean by guys, just guys and gals together. Um, yeah, and, and I haven't even looked at the footage that I shot, I filmed when we were out there doing some work together and hiking. So, uh, I don't know, maybe I should have watched all that stuff first to actually get a sense of what they said on camera. But I don't know, I, I want to do this. It's been on my mind. It was a great a great uh, experience with them. And if you're confused already, well, wait a minute, you just said Highway 20 was closed because of sm uh, uh, smoke and fires, or smires as it's known in the business. Just kidding. So where did we go? Well, there was Plan D, basically. You know, I, I, These guys are out of cell range, and I, I was in Wisconsin for last weekend visiting my mother and going to a family reunion, and so... There was a little sporadic uh, interaction texting between me and Mike, Eddie, and then he finally said, hey, I'll just, we finally know what we're doing. We just got out of the back country, and um, we still can't go to Washington 20. That was our original plan, but uh, how about we meet you at Foggy Dew Campground? So he, I said, sure, Tuesday night, see you there. I'll roll in um, uh, early evening. And that's what happened. So I, I um, left Ellensburg 
uh, Tuesday mid-afternoon. Uh, took me about three hours, drive up and over Blewett Pass, you know, the old chumstick stuff and the squawk stuff, and down through Wenatchee, up past Chelan, and then as soon as I get north of Chelan, I lose it. I lose my knowledge, I lose my bearings, I lose a lot. I just, it's just, you know, it's, it's for whatever reason, I just have not gotten up there much. Probably two times in my life I've been up in that area, so... I, I'm I'm officially really pumped now. So as soon as that those fires are are done, and I don't know if I have to wait till October for that or not. Maybe I do, but I don't know when they'll reopen twenty, and I don't know when those skies will clear a little bit up there in the North Cascades this year, if at all. But if it does, I'm going to be up there poking around, and by poking around, I mean just kind of scanning outcrops using Marley Miller and Daryl Cowan's Roadside uh, Geology of Washington, second edition book, where they feature that drive. Uh, I want to do some day hikes from up there, uh, get a sense for where I can do a pop-up episode or two. I'll tell you about that in a second, I think. So anyway, that's it. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a new area of interest, and yet I've been building toward this uh, for the last year. The exotic terrain series, and even the exotic, ter- uh, excuse, me, excuse me, even the uh, crazy Eocene sessions we were doing with the Chalice Magmas uh, here on the podcast, the radio episodes, but also the Geology 351 class. So, you know, it's not like I did all that work in the last year simply just to sound coherent when I was talking to these guys at the campground. Foggy do campground. It, it, you know, uh, all that prep was not just to put a couple sentences together and have it make sense. But it, I did feel good that I had a, a, a working knowledge uh, for their work. And um, it was, we, we had some interesting conversations while we were there. I'll say one more general thing and then we'll get into it. <clears throat> I don't know why am I getting this... my. Th- Get all this stuff in my throat as soon as I start talking to you here. I don't know what that's about. Sorry. Please apologize. I apologize for that. Please apologize to them. I just did. I'm talking to myself now. You know, when you meet geologists for the first time, I guess when you meet people for the first time, especially if, you, if there's reputations and professional experience and act a certain way and you're so eager to impress the other person. I'm talking generally now. I don't know if I'm talking about you, but I have found that when you meet professional geologists, if you invite them to come to your campus to give a talk, and then it's, eh, it kind of falls into this boring stuff. It's, oh, you know that person? I know that person. Yes, I've done the, I, I, did a, I did a grant with that person. And it's all this kind of name-dropping BS and... and uh, you know, nobody really is that familiar with the other person they're talking to, but they kind of fake it and pretend they know what's going on. Well, my first message here today at the 11-minute mark is that the Dream Team are three excellent geologists from all accounts, and they're just nice people. And that feels good. Now, did they know of me a little bit? Sure, that helps. All this public stuff I've been doing, uh, 
I don't get quite the treatment that I used to get, which is, who's this guy? I don't don't know who you are. So everybody kind of knows who I am. In this case, since I've already been kind of working on things related to their research, it's more than just a name recognition. They've seen a little bit of my stuff. They have a sense of that. So that helps. But uh, after spending, I was there uh, Tuesday evening until Thursday morning. So two nights and a full day out there with them. And it's it's just those three guys. It's just the dream team. And then two of Stacia Gordon's brand new grad students, Luce and Alex, and they had just met Stacia like the week earlier, uh, and uh, were just they're not from the Northwest, so they were like processing everything, and it was fun to see them kind of plunging. It's just it's just the what was it six? It's just the six of us then, and you know we're making meals together, and we're uh, um, doing the whole camping thing like you all do. Nobody else is in the campground, by the way, because of all that smoke and everything else. <laughs> Uh, it was like we had the place to ourselves, and the air quality, at least the the two nights I was with them, was not too bad. We were a couple of drainages to the south. The closest little town to Foggy Dew Campground is a dinky little town called Carleton, Washington. Okay, well, let's get to some uh, geology then, and I've tried to set the tone that, um, no, I'll say one more thing, I guess. Um, you know, so when you meet people, especially in this setting, uh, well, my, my experience has just been just to let things roll, not try to force anything. Uh, so they were, on the day that we were out doing some stuff, uh, I was trying not to get in the way, basically. And I was filming with my iPhone and my little gizmo. And I had uh, my lapel mic on, and I only have one other lapel mic. I don't. I, I need to figure out how to get, you know, four lapel mics to work into the same iPhone while I'm filming. I haven't figured that out yet, if that even is possible. So you know, I'll say Bob, put this on mic, you know, and then he's talking to those guys, or he's pointing something out on a map, or they're looking at a outcrop. So it was a little awkward that way, but um, I filmed so much that my my gizmo just stopped, like it just drooped. <laughs> I was holding this thing and it just kind of collapsed in my hand because uh, it ran out of battery. And so I need to figure out how to, I need a new setup for kind of multiple nights when I don't have power. Um, okay, well, come on, come on, now. come on, baby. Get to the, get to the geology. So I want to report right now for the rest of the episode on the expertise of these three guys in the Dream Team and what they've been doing uh, together. First of all, it's just cool that they're together. They're, they're, they're a working team, so it's not like uh, they're all coming independent of each other. Uh, they're, they're doing this on purpose so they can be there together. Mike Eddy, I, I'm most familiar with his work, and if you're a fan of this stuff I've been doing in the last six months, you're a fan of his work too. I've been featuring it. I got his papers right here that I just grabbed off the um, front porch. Mike Eddy, 2016, Rapid Assembly and Crystallization of a Fossil Large Volume Silicic Magma Chamber. Co-authors, Mike Eddy, Sam Bowering, Bob Miller, Jeff Tepper. Let's try a couple more. Mike Eddy, 2017, Age and Volcanic Stratigraphy of the Eocene Silesian Oceanic Plateau in Washington. 
and on Vancouver Island. Co-authors Mike Eddy, Ken Clark, Michael Polins. We'll do one more. This from the Geology uh, Society of America annual meeting in Seattle held in 2017. This is a field guide. Sedimentary volcanic and structural processes during triple junction migration. Insights from the Paleogene record in central Washington. Co-authors Mike Eddy, Paul Umhofer, Bob Miller, Aaron Donaghy, Melissa Gunderson, and Francesca Senes. Okay, so one of the things I learned is what binds these guys together on the Dream Team. Now, notice Dacia wasn't on any of those papers. Uh, but Bob is a co-author on damn near everything, it seems. So let me try to give a little a thumbnail skit. You know what? Maybe I'll do this. Maybe the first YouTube video that I post, maybe this weekend, will just be an in hmm, that'll work. An introduction of these three guys. I just have them all talking at the breakfast table, at the picnic table. Yeah, I think I'll do that. So Mike uh Went to Princeton, graduate work at Massachusetts Institute of Technology. His advisor, Sam Bowering. Big name. Let's go back to that in just a second. But my, uh, Sam Bowering is the common thread between these three guys of the Dream Team. They were talking constantly about Sam, who tragically passed away uh, two summers ago. Turns out he passed away the same week that my dad passed away. So if you're familiar with the backstory on this dream team and how I got associated, Mike Eddy emailed me out of the blue two summers ago and I was back in my childhood home um, helping my dad and relieving my mom um, in the last you know couple of weeks of his life. And uh, I said, Mike, I can't, I can't, uh, can't deal with this right now. I'll get back to you. And he was very kind and said, No rush, no rush. You know, I understand. Well, he was dealing with the last few days, um, I guess, of his uh, advisor Sam Bowering. Uh, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get sidetracked. So let me just say a couple things about Sam Bowering. So Sam Bowering, as I'm learning about him. Mike Eddy was the last graduate student of Sam Bowering. Sam Bowering uh, was a close associate of Bob Miller. And there's some connection, I, I'm losing it right now, about how Stacia was connected to Sam Bowering. But Sam Bowering is a big name. Uh, he, uh, I don't want to do his whole life story here. I, I did do some reading as soon as I got back to town, had some internet. I did some, looked him up, looked, read his obituary, read, read kind of uh, uh, heartfelt tributes to his efforts at MIT, the University of Kansas before that. Uh, but the, ba the main message is Sam Bowering developed this lab uh, at MIT that was uh, using uh, a very sophisticated zircon dating technique, uranium to lead, as I understand it, that was developed by Jim Mattinson in Santa Barbara. Okay, now hang on now. Jim Mattinson is the father of Chris Mattinson, who's the guy that lives two blocks away from me. Chris Mattinson uh, teaches and, and does research here at Central. 
And so it is a small world among these, among these cats. And that was one of the biggest things I learned this past week, that Jim Mattinson had devised this new technique. I, didn't, I totally missed that earlier. So for Mike Eddy and others associated with Sam Bowering's lab to come up with these crazy precise dates that I've talked about before. I've talked about how remarkably precise these dates are with very minor error bars. And it's such a, an amazing technique that Mike, and that's what the Dream Team in part is doing, is they're revisiting outcrops from 30, 40, 50 years ago uh, they're finding samples, and Mike's bringing them back to his lab, and he's using this Bowering slash Mattinson technique to come up with this uh, very precise um, dating process for these rocks. And you're like, okay, well, what's the difference if it's if it's uh, you know 53 or 45 million years, you know, give or take a couple million years? Is that a problem? Well. We have. I'll refer to the last few podcasts when I was reflecting on Geology 351. Everything goes crazy. Do you remember? Everything goes crazy as soon as we accrete Celestia. In the neighborhood of 50 million years ago, everything goes crazy here in the Pacific Northwest. And you're like, could you please expand on that? I don't know what you mean by crazy. Well, I guess you have to re-listen to a couple of the previous episodes. And I'll try to give you a couple of experiences or examples today uh, before we quit. But that precision is needed because everything appears to just be happening at the same time in the immediate aftermath of Celestia's accretion. I'll give you an example right now. Because of this smoke thing, Mike at one point, a couple days ago, says, I, I, didn't, I didn't anticipate I'd be in the southern portion of the Skagit Nice trying to work with the Ross Lake Fault Zone, Bob, Stacia, talking to those guys, you know, kind of talking out loud. Because again, just because of circumstances, was pushed south from Washington 20. But Mike's now pretty interested in this. Like, how big a structure is the Ross Lake Fault Zone? Why does the Ross Lake Fault Zone, I'll give you a couple basics. If you look at a map or just look up uh, any map of the North Cascades, you see one of these, the first thing that you notice, I think, is this major fault where there's a bunch of bedrock units that are offset, strike slip for the most part, but probably some up and down. In other words, one side of the strike slip fault going up the southwest side, one side of the strike slip fault going down, northeast side. But working out the timing of when the Ross Lake fault zone began, pretty tough. The most obvious issue at the moment is all three of these guys in the Dream Team are, are helping me understand, and I think I captured that on the iPhone, they're like, look at this Ross Lake Fault Zone. It's such a big structure ripping right through the North Cascades. And we suddenly lose it. And there's a pluton, a batholith, called the Cooper Mountain Batholith. One of these flare-ups of magma that has not been broken. And there's a general date of 49 million years old. Sound familiar? That's Tianaway. You know, all this stuff's going on at the same time. Some of the tufts and the chumstick in that neighborhood, blah, blah, blah. I mean, come on. Everything's going 
at, at once. I'm trying to give you an example of what I mean by everything's going berserk or everything's going crazy in the North Cascades. And I can't hold it. Remember, this is a this is a a, a chapter, this is part of this chalice story from the Chalice Magma episode a couple times ago, where, where we've got the same kind of crazy stuff going on up in BC, all the way back to the Dakotas, down to Nevada. You get it. Okay. So Mike coming up with these high-precision dates will be a major help in understanding how important the Ross Lake Fault Zone is. Now, that's that was a surprise to me. Didn't realize that was going to be what we were looking at and thinking about when we were out there. It was a surprise to all of them, I guess. They weren't planning on being at Foggy Dew Campground. As usual, I'm all over the place. There's no linear thought, but that's part of the charm, I guess. I don't know. So, Mike... Um, his main, I think I've mentioned this before. So Mike's, if I had just had to kind of give you a thumbnail, I guess I'm practicing in real time with you. How can I describe the uh, expertise or the specialization for each of these three Dream Team members? Mike is the Pluton guy. So go from Pluton to Pluton. Big, think like big, big blob of granite here. I'm going to sample it. I'm going to take it back to my lab at Purdue University. I'm going to run it through all the instrumentation. I'm going to have some grad students involved in this. We're going to get all sorts of brand new geochem and brand new high-precision dates for each of these uh, batholiths, like the Cooper Mountain batholith, which puts the brakes or locks up the, the Ross Lake fault zone, it appears. Bob is mostly a structure guy. So when you think of fault, like the strike-slip fault, you think of the San Andreas, perhaps, and you think of this clean break with these uh, rock units on both sides of the San Andreas offset by hundreds of miles. Well, in the case of the Ross Lake Fault Zone, it is a major strike-slip fault. How major? What do you mean by major, by the way? Well, the amount of offset, the amount of shifting, the the number of years that that fault was doing its thing and... and, uh, and shifting one side of the fault bedrock with the other. Terrible grammar. That's a major question. Bob's throwing around like, I think we got a minimum of 500 kilometers offset on the Ross Lake Fault Zone. I'm not sure what he's using for that. But Bob's kind of focusing on that. My point here is that when you, we were in the area of the Ross Lake Fault Zone the last couple days. And along the Ross Lake Fault Zone, it's called a fault zone because there are myelinites. There are, there are rocks that are um, the result of offset on the fault, but it's not brittle. It's, it's, it's smeared rock. It's rock that has is, 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 is got temperature and pressure conditions to kind of uh, create this kind of taffy look to the rock which is one way to actually locate a fault if it's an old fault. And I think I'm accurate in saying this. I I asked Stacia once, and I think she kind of, I I forget, I'll have to watch those video clips. I think the idea is if you get deeply into the San Andreas Fault, let's go down to California just for a second. 
And if we look at the rocks on either side of the San Andreas Fault today, we know that there's been hundreds of miles of offset on the San Andreas Fault. But if we're below the surface a fair amount, I think we're going to see that sheared rock, that myelotonized rock, that that taffy or, um, I guess, ductally deformed rock. It's a shear zone. And yet at the surface, it's not a shear zone because the temperatures and pressures are much different and we brittily um, uh, uh, crack the crust, essentially, cleanly. So as I understand it currently, this may change. As I understand it currently, we're looking at a deep portion of the Ross Lake Fault Zone, and that's why we're seeing this, this shear zone and if you get X number of miles on either side of this kind of highly deformed shear zone, the Ross Lake fault zone, you, you lose the, the swirly look to the rock. And you get into good-looking batholith or good-looking uh, orthonice, the Skagit gnice, or some other rock units that happen to be in the, in the area. So that's Stacia's uh, expertise, as I understand it currently. Again, I just met these guys for the first time, you know, and I, I, I didn't want to take over. I didn't want to, like, formally interview all the time. You know, we're camping together, you know. It's like, who, who's got the, where's the onion, you know? Are we going to chop this up? And, uh, Nick, can you start the stove over there? we got to get some water going. And, you know, I brought a bottle of wine and some chocolate and uh, some apples, which was a big hit. And these guys are in the backcountry for uh, large stretches, and so I was just coming from civilization for a couple of nights. So Stacia, Metamorphic, Bob, Structure, Mike, um, Granites. But that's not describing them accurately because they have deep experience uh, outside of those uh, thumbnail sketches as well. So there'll be plenty more coming once I actually look at the footage and remember what they actually said. You know, when you're filming somebody, you're kind of half listening. I try my best to listen carefully to what they're saying to keep the conversation going. I'd say, I don't know, 80% of my attention is on that. But there's always 20% where I'm glancing, you know, do I have them framed properly? Am I still, is the mic working? Is the blue light on? That sort of thing. Okay, how do I bring this one to a close? It's the beginning of this, I think it's a five-year grant. And let's see, Tuesday night I was there, and we just kind of, that was really interesting. So, you know, they had they had some extra food for me, uh, even though I just brought my little uh, jar of peanut butter and a loaf of bread. That's usually how I operate up when I'm camping. I'm not a big camp stove person. Uh, but they, 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 they insisted. We have, we have plenty. Um... So we had a nice meal, and then we started talking about what I've been doing, and I'm trying to get the backstory and what buys, ties them together. And Sam Bowering is the is the person that really kind of unites them. Now I should add that Mike is in his early 30s, if that, just starting his career. Stacia is about to turn 40, uh, mid career, and then Bob. This is his 48th summer in a row that he's been in the North Cascades. I repeat, 48th. And so, you know, I could spend a week talking to each of them. 
about their work, especially Bob, I guess, with pushing 50 years of this. Pretty fit for a 70-year-old, by the way. Um, where was I going with that? Oh, yeah. So, you know, what I liked about them is that one person wasn't dominating. One person wasn't lecturing everybody about what they know. Uh, there was a, a strong level of respect between the three of them. Now, this is not the first time they've been associated with each other. Uh, again, co-authors, Bob and Mike, and Stacia has been in the middle of much of this as well. So they have a working relationship. I don't have a good sense if they've been in the field much together. I don't know that. But I think what I want to say here is that I'm pretty good at uh, getting a vibe off of a group and knowing how quickly I want to look for the nearest exit and get the hell out of there. And more often than not, I'm looking for the nearest exit. How do I get out of this? Whether it's a conversation or something else. And I'd never met Bob. I'd never met Stacia. I'd barely meet, uh, met Mike. And I agreed to be part of this group and be their public outreach person um, simply by reputation. I knew that Mike was a superstar, and I knew less about the other two. Well, I'm especially pleased to report that I could have spent a week there easily. Again, I didn't want to get in the way, but there was, um, it was a nice group. And if it's just the six of us again, or a couple other new grad students next summer, I'm not sure, but, um, I'm, I'm very excited to be associated with them, but also, uh, just on a personal level, it was, uh, damn enjoyable. I'll finish with this. The last night, which was what, a Wednesday night, I guess. We're done with supper, and that was a particularly hot day. We hiked a fair amount. Um, and I was sitting down uh, with my feet in the was Foggy Dew Creek. <laughs> and then Mike comes down, we chat for a while. Then Bob comes over, we chat a little bit more. Then Stacia shows up, brings her little camp chair over. And... They said, well, okay, before you leave, we want to talk about next year. And Mike in particular said, Nick, you're the guy that knows how best to communicate what we're doing. Like I asked you to be part of this because, you know, you're doing your thing and you have an audience. I'm like, that's right. And he says, so what are your ideas on what we can do next year with you? And I started saying, well, Mike, remember when you wrote the proposal two years ago, you mentioned podcast, and you were aware of this podcast, this radio episode podcast, and I think in the proposal you thought that I would just make a series of podcasts, like audio episodes for people driving Washington 20, kind of like a roadside radio program, you know, play this episode at mile milepost 32 or whatever. And we can do that. I'm talking to Mike now, but Stacia also was visualizing kind of a pamphlet or something with the National Park Service and that here's a point of interest and then play this podcast episode or maybe I record their voices and that they describe that. And, you know, I said, you remember that that was the original thought. 
But Mike in particular, I think, you, you've seen enough of what I've been doing to know that I'm doing more than that now. I'm doing video. I'm, I'm, I filmed you guys today. And I'm just going to throw this out here. I'm talking me talking to the dream team. I'm just throwing this out here. I just started a new idea called pop-up geology. And I saw the blank looks on their face. Like, what? what? And I say, I've only done it once. But as we're emerging from this lockdown business and I'm returning to public talks, I'm trying to find a way to give public talks. And I know this sounds conceited, but I can't handle doing a public field trip with 300 people. And I think there would easily be 300 people that would show up for something I'm doing now because of all this extra exposure of this stuff I've done on the YouTube channel. And so I tried something called a pop-up geology episode where 48 hours ahead of time, I announced on my YouTube channel that um, here's the GPS location. I'm going to be at this spot out in the middle of nowhere at 8 o'clock on a Sunday morning. I want it to be cool outside. I want the weather to be decent. Uh, and I want us to meet, talk, and then I want us to be gone by mid-morning. No trace of us, like a flash mob. And I tried it once. And 75 people were there at 7.30 in the morning on Babcock Bench overlooking West Bar. It was already 80 degrees. <laughs> and people had driven from, I think Salem, Oregon was the farthest away. <laughs> And that was the first one. I didn't post it on Facebook. I didn't publicize it any other way except a little bit on the YouTube channel, which I've since uh, removed from the YouTube channel, the announcement video. And I emailed people on my email list, and that was it. And so I shared that with the Dream Team, and I said, I think we could do a live event. I think I could. I could uh, so our tentative plan, oh, man, I'm almost to 40 minutes. Okay, let me finish up. So the tentative plan for next July is, we can assume, next July, Washington 20 will be open. And the Dream Team and I are going to film videos along Washington 20. And I'm basically going to interview. Uh, each of them are going to have one or two stops. And I'm going to make a 20-minute video at a point of interest. And I'm going to come back to Ellensburg after those couple of nights. I'm going to post all those videos on my YouTube channel. And then while they're still here, towards the end of their uh, time with us, we're going to try to do a pop-up live event uh, up on Washington 20 somewhere. I don't know where it's going to be. But Mike in particular thought that was sounded like a hell of a lot of fun. And I basically said to these guys, I like doing things that are unusual. I have freedom to do whatever I want, however I want to do it. And so if you guys are willing, I want to do some unusual things with you. I don't want to just make a pamphlet for the National Park Service. And by the way, I've had zero luck with any organization doing anything in a timely manner anyway. So I like just, you know, striking, posting, and moving on to something else, as I've done uh, recently. So that's just a start. Uh, to recap this episode... I met the Dream Team really for the first time, camped with them for two nights, hiked all day on 
Thursday, uh, Wednesday it was, and had a very good time, learned an incredible amount, and we are poised to take the next step. Stacia, Bob, and the two graduate students are right now up above Stahican in the backcountry for 15 days, collecting rock samples and doing their thing. Mike had already been out here for a week and a half, so he's back to Indianapolis where he lives with his wife and his infant daughter. Okay, I could go on, can you tell? But I guess I'm going to wrap this one up. We're at the 40-minute mark. Um, I'm not sure what I'll do next. Maybe I'll... Hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure what I'm doing next with the radio episodes, but I appreciate you listening to this one, dear listener. Uh, Apple Podcast has just come up with a new way to share analytics and that sort of thing, and actually looked at them. And so I'm kind of flabbergasted by how wide a reach this podcast series has. I didn't realize it was as big as it is. I'm getting all sorts of emails from podcast companies I don't know they're like here's how you can expand your reach and here's how you can monetize I'm like I don't even reply to those but I guess they see that this is a quote-unquote successful podcast and they want a piece of the action well that's not what I'm in it for I'm in it for you that means I'm a hero feels good just kidding Thank you, dear listener. I appreciate you waiting till the end before you move on to the next podcast. Thank you. I love you. And goodbye.